you are in our thoughts today, and I know that for many of you, I know for myself, the lockdown is continuing to drag on and we miss being in person with you. I feel like I say that every time I'm behind this camera, but it's true. And I look forward to um, being able to see you actually in a physical space together, hopefully in the near future. And also, I want to just welcome those of you who may be tuning in and you're new to Ramp Church. You have been in our thoughts and prayers as well. As you are on your own faith journey, we're praying that this message just brings refreshing and strength to you and that maybe through the words that are spoken, you can take another step closer to Jesus, who is so in love with you and so for you today. So, Ramp Church I'm going to let you in to some of my priority desires that have been just roaming around in my heart um, during lockdown. And I know that I, I also have mentioned this quite a few times recently, but we have been in lockdown for a long time now, and these desires are strong and steady. And I'm going to talk to you about continuing our series on peace, peace between us. And I want to open this up by just reminding you that I have three children. And right now, two of those children are age nine and 10. And I love my children and they are incredible. They have been so brave and courageous and leaving all and coming along with Joe and I on this, this adventure of church planting. And um, they're just blessings as the word of God says, children are blessings from the Lord. And all the parents said yes and amen. But just because you have a blessing doesn't mean that occasionally you perhaps strain to feel the blessedness of that blessing. And this often kind of my thoughts about parenting leaks over into God's heart towards me. It infiltrates even some of the things that I pray for our church. I'll be praying for my kids and I'll be thinking, hey, wait a second, this really applies, I feel like, to church family as well. So this morning, I want to just cast a vision for you of something that has been encouraging me in my family, with my girls. Um, and this has also encouraged me in other relationships, friendships, work relationships. Um, it's encouraged me in my marriage with Joe. And this is the truth that we're going to dive into with the gospel. First, let's, let's open with the word of God, okay? Let's open to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 13. But Ephesians 2, Ephesians 1 and 2 is this beautiful um, kind of summary explanation of God's plan in Christ and for the church. And the whole even book of Ephesians is one of my favorite books. And the first part, Paul is just beautifully explaining what God has done for us, what his plan is, what he's accomplished for us in Christ. And then he moves into, in light of what God's done for us, how that, that revelation of what Jesus has done, how it really transforms everything about our life. And Christianity is, it ultimately, it's our response to what Christ has done for us. It's us being awakened to what God has done 
and everybody all over the world is responding in some way. And we see all sorts of different responses laid out in this word even. Sometimes we can find ourselves in these very pages that we reject God or we're ignoring God or we're running away from God. We're like Jonah, we're just going the other way or we are um, rebelling against God. But there's all sorts of responses to what God does for us. And I want to paint just a vision for us to have the peace between each other and peace between us as brothers and sisters in Christ. That peace, not just peace with God, which the gospel and what Jesus did is bringing to us not just restored relationship with God, but he is ushering us into a whole new way of life, empowering us, giving us supernatural ability, grace, giving us grace, divine empowerment, divine ability to come into the kingdom of God and experience not just a whole new ethos, but a whole new way of relating to God based on faith in Jesus Christ and grace and the Holy Spirit giving us ability, but also empowering how we relate to each other. So let's talk about the vision that God has for us as humans in his kingdom interacting and being a part of this family of God. So I want to read a few scriptures and then we will kind of dive into what I feel as a church body some commitments are that we can put before us so that we can really respond, not just in our ideas and our thoughts and our amens, but respond with our whole lives to the vision and the intentions that God has for us. So this is Ephesians chapter two, and I'm going to start in verse 13. I encourage you to read Ephesians 2, Ephesians, the whole book at some point, but I'm going to dive in just starting in at 13. And Paul says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. What an incredible bit of good news. United to the source of peace. United to the very source of eternal life. Because of what Jesus has done, those who follow him, who believe in him, we have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward one another was put to death. He brought good news. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. I want to um, just 
first take a note about the audience that Paul is speaking to. Now, in Paul's day, Paul was a Jew who then became a Christian, a Christ follower. So Paul made this transition of coming near to God, the Jewish way, which was through the laws and the commands passed down to Moses, to then um, becoming a, a Christ follower, transferring his trust for righteousness from his own behavior and his own performance to what Christ accomplished for us. And then all many Jews in Paul's days began to be Christ followers. They became Jewish Christians. And these Jewish Christians were forming churches, but the gospel was spreading beyond just the Jews and it was reaching Gentiles. It was reaching those who weren't Jews, people with different traditions and different ways of doing life and different cultures and different backgrounds and ancestry. And it was very different from the Jewish way of life. But then because of Jesus and the gospel coming to all people and all nations. Now, in this church that Paul is pastoring and speaking to, he has many, many people with different ways of life. And not just differences, but these people were also hostile towards one another. The Jews wouldn't go to Samaria. They couldn't, they couldn't even, their, even some of their man-made traditions and laws, it was very um, demeaning of other people. But when Jesus came, Paul is saying, when Christ came and presented the way of being right with God through believing in him, and when Christ came to make, um, to bring hope and salvation to all peoples, he literally not just dealt with an invitation to everybody, but he made it possible for the walls of hostility to actually be put to death just like he was put to death. And when he resurrected, he resurrected a new power for all of those who follow him to be genuinely united by the same God and the same spirit and the same faith. Do you ever think about church and people and relationships and get caught up in feeling overwhelmed with what is God's plan in all of this? Does it, maybe even, maybe let's just take it down to your family relationships, maybe with a spouse or a child. And the tension or momentary tension, momentary strife can just be disorienting at times. And you feel a bit like, God, what is going on? What? Why, why are things so difficult? Why is there tension? Why is there strife? Why am I not seeing eye to eye? I believe everybody, no matter how mature you are in the Lord, is still growing and working out how to really perfectly love like Jesus, like Jesus loves us. And sometimes I find it helpful in moments where I can't see the forest for the trees to literally in, my, in, in, in the word and in prayer, go back to God's big picture plan. And, and Ramp Church, I know I say that a lot to you, that sometimes in prayer, it's like I just have to step over the details and just come up to that high place and remind myself of what God's intentions are, what His desire is. You know, and division and hostility and strife, these are things that even Paul's church and people who were really, I mean, led by amazing people, Paul himself, who raised the dead and supernatural, supernatural things were happening. There was an outpouring of God 
happening in Paul's churches. It was unprecedented, the revival that they were experiencing. And yet you hear Paul in, in um, Corinthians say, in fact, let me just reference that for you in 1 Corinthians 1. In the middle of these incredible revival of outpouring where people from different nations and cultures are coming and their signs and wonders and their prayer meetings are literally, literally shaking the room. You have him admonishing them that there would be no divisions in the church. And you have him speaking very frankly in Titus, Paul is saying, you know, for somebody who's not teachable and still causing divisions, give them one warning and then two. And if they're still not teachable, you have to give them time away, a time out, so to speak. Because unity is God's will, but sometimes we're not fully realizing and walking in what he has intended for us. So I want to just pull your attention, okay, to that big picture plan. Let's go to um, the life of Jesus in John 17. And this is one of my most favorite passages because Jesus is praying and you are getting an inside look into what the son of God, when he has been walking the earth and he's been in ministry and there's not that many prayers actually recorded of Jesus. This one is one of, uh, is the longest prayer that's recorded. So I'm so intrigued. What is Jesus going to pray? Like, what is it going to be? Is he going to pray for, I don't know, for signs, wonders, and miracles, revival, outpouring? I mean, is he going to pray the stuff that I pray? Like when I'm praying for Ramp Church, the things that I'm praying, is that what he's going to pray? So let's look at John 17. And I'm going to, for time's sake, I'm going to cut um, kind of right in the middle of this prayer. But I encourage you to read John 17 on your own sometime, the full passage of what's going on. But starting in verse 17, I'm, I'm sorry, John chapter 17, starting in verse 20, he says to Father, I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones that were there with him and that he had been walking earth with. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Whenever I, whenever I read that, I just, I still feel the excitement. I'm like, Jesus is about to pray for me because I'm one person who believed in him after the first disciples and, and after the early church. So he's about to pray for me. He's about to pray for us, Ramp Church. He's about to pray for our families that we are all believing. He's praying for us. What is he asking the Father for? He says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus is praying for peace and unity between these believers, the same peace and unity that he had with the Father, that level of peace and unity. Wow. So he has, through this prayer, through even a lot of what Paul says and how you hear even Peter instructing his church, you begin to get this sense that God's vision that God's plan, that God's intention puts a really high priority, not just on our vertical relationship with him, but on our horizontal relationships with each other. 
that God wants us to experience peace and unity, not just with people who are like us, but even people like the Jews and the Gentiles who are very different. And here's what I learn about anything that God asks of us. Here's what we know from the counsel of God's word is that if God's will is unity and if God's command and his admonishment to us is to be at peace with one another, to be unified with one another, then that is possible because God does not ask us to do anything that he has not empowered us by his spirit to do. So listen, okay, just in case you're sometimes feeling like with perhaps a relationship, a marriage relationship or a, um, a relationship with your children, you're looking at assessing the situation. Do you ever do that in prayer? Do you ever just sit back and just assess the situation and, you're, and, and perhaps you feel overwhelmed? Perhaps you feel the impossibility of the situation. Perhaps it even begins to feel impossible. When you come up to the big picture of God's will and you say, no, I know that in my home, Peace and unity is God's will. And if you can just get that clear, you can get that clear about, no, I know between my husband and myself or my wife and myself that God's will is that we would be one and that nothing would separate what God has brought together. I know that's his will. If you can get that far just to agreeing and acknowledging what his will is, what his vision is. What's his intention? When he spoke, sometimes I pray, Lord, when you spoke Ramp Church Manchester into existence, when you spoke that word onto planet Earth about Ramp UK, you had intentions and desires. You have things on your heart that you want to see fulfilled, Lord. And I want to see what your heart and your intentions are for us manifested. I want to fulfill the heart's desire of the Father for us as a church, for me as a family. When God brought and blessed the union that Joe and I made in marriage, he had intentions, he had desires, he had a plan, he has a will regarding that union. When I birth children into the world, he has a plan, he has intentions, he has things he feels passionately about. I want to see those things brought into manifestation. I want his desires fulfilled. And when I look at all the many different ways throughout history, the church, and even nowadays, how many divisions there are. We divide the old from the young and the rich and the poor and this ethnicity from this ethnicity. And well, you're from this country and I'm from this country. Or, well, this is what I do at work. Or this is what I'm, a, I'm an apostle. Well, I'm a prophet. Well, I'm a pastor. Well, all these different ways that we in our hearts can segregate ourselves. And sure, we're going to have more common interest with other people and resonate with other people. But I want us to see Ramp Church. I want us to get a commitment, a fresh commitment for our homes, for our relationships, for our church. Um, I want us to see God's vision for us. That just because we have differences doesn't mean there needs to be division. You can be different, but you can still be united. Or you can be different 
and you can use those differences to divide. But let's be a people who we, we may not be perfect, but it's the priority in our hearts to see God's vision for our earthly horizontal relationships fulfilled. I want to, to share with you 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. When we come into the kingdom of God, we get a new identity. We, we have a place of belonging that supersedes every other temporary place of belonging. We have temporary identities. We have maybe we're a student or one of our main identities is we take on this culture or we take on this role. But all of those things, they're not the chief number one identity that we have when we come into the kingdom of God. Listen to what uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. You have become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When we are following Jesus, we begin to, I love what Paul puts it this way, we are citizens of heaven. That's our permanent home. Here, we're temporary residents. And we've got to stay kingdom-minded. In our relationships, you know how you stay kingdom-minded? Practical help. This is what I do. Sometimes when Joe and I are seen very differently, and I am feeling, feeling so strongly that I am seeing this different, and not just different, but correct. And Joe is feeling strongly that he is seeing this correctly. And so then there's tension. Well, then how do we get peace between us? You know, one of the things I have found helpful, because the enemy is always wanting to divide. Um, A kingdom divided against itself, Jesus says in Matthew 18, it can't stand. If there's division in a house, in a family, and and, and it's not dealt with, and it just keeps, it keeps seething and growing, that divided kingdom will crumble. And he hates division. The father, the father hates any, it's in Proverbs 6, it's actually one of the things that God hates is one who sows discord and brings division. So one of the things to help me get on God's page and God's vision is I just say to myself, and I'll even say this sometimes in my prayer out loud, the truth, God, you've brought us together. We're better together. No matter how great my opinion or experience or input is, it's not going to be as good as if Joe Joe wasn't inputting in because we're better together. We're actually more like God when we're unified. We're actually expressing the plan of God and able to experience the peace of God when we really get and commit to God's vision that we are better together. So I want to give you three commitments, Ramp Church. Three commitments. The first one I've already really elaborated on, and that's let's commit to God's vision. For every relationship, God's will, God's plan is that we be a people of peace and unity, that there be peace between us. Now, I know that peace is in a relationship. Some, someone else has a bit of responsibility in it. And that's why I love what Romans 12, 18 says. It says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
And you know what? That's all you can do is between you and God and you and that person, you do what Paul says in Ephesians 4. You're going to make every effort. Listen to what he says. When we commit to God's vision, Ephesians 4, he says, I beg you, I'm serving the Lord and I beg you to leave a life, lead a life worthy of your calling. We have been called the people of God. Whoa, what a privilege. God has brought us into his kingdom. This is a high calling. We've been called by God. Be humble and be gentle, be patient. Remember, I spoke with you about God's pace for people is always patience. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Sometimes when I... um, feel like I don't know what to do in a horizontal relationship. I'll just come back to Ephesians 4.3 and I'll say, okay, what does it look like to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace right now? Have I made every effort? Have I, have I done everything I can to bring peace and unity? And you know what is so, I'm going to give you some encouragement at the end of this, if I don't forget, help me with Holy Spirit, remember, that will help you be confident that it's not all up to you to figure all this out. So first commitment, let's commit to God's vision. In every relationship, God has a vision for peace and unity, that we would all be the same thought on the same page, that we're kingdom minded, that our kingdom identity of being the people of God would be our number one identity that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are better together. And the second commitment I want us to, by the help, with the help of Holy Spirit, commit to a fresh ramp church is let's commit to guard our heart. Listen to what Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above everything else for, for it determines the course of your life. Sometimes I feel like The temptation for Christians in church is to guard their external behavior and they let their heart run wild. But again, everything that God wants to do in us and through us is meant to start with the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our heart. And then as we grow and mature, that heart transformation begins to bring a congruency to every outward decision, every outward decision. And that's why patience with people is important because something can be working on the inside. Somebody may be touched by God. On the inside of their heart, something is shifting and changing. But maybe their lifestyle yet, maybe it hasn't yet fully worked out. That salvation is is working, it's working itself out but it's not yet fully manifested into different areas like budget or sexuality and relationships. But I'm telling you, you're not meant to guard your external behavior. You're meant to guard your heart. And when it comes to unity, we don't want, we don't want just a bunch of well-behaved, polite people that inwardly hate each other. No, no, that's not God's vision. In fact, this is what I love to think about. 
When Jesus steps, when Jesus looks down on my family and he looks down to Stacy Reeser and he looks down to Ramp Church Manchester, he sees my heart just like I see outward appearances. Like heart's the primary thing God sees and notices. Nothing is hidden. The word of God says in, in Hebrews 4.13, everything is exposed before him. Jesus says, it's not what comes, it's not what you put in that you eat that defiles you. No, he says, what defiles you is what comes out of the heart. For out of the heart springs murder and adultery. Out of the heart is where all of that comes. So we have to guard our heart and let God work on our heart. Now, I'm not saying, because some people say, well, I felt it, so I said it. No, we don't, we don't, <laughs> you think, well, I, if I'm thinking it, I might as well tell him. I hate him, so I told him that I hated him because God knows in my heart I hate him anyway. So no, no, self-control is necessary so that people don't walk around just slashing and creating open wounds everywhere. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit that is beneficial in bringing a level of protection to everybody from all the nastiness that's in your heart. But we are not just meant to be self-controlled. Self-control is one fruit of the Spirit. But love is the first fruit of the Spirit. Love working in you. Love transforming you from the inside out. God wants, when He looks at us, I want Him to see the outward effort, but the inner transformation that we see what God sees, that we see His heart for unity, that we see the people of God the way He sees the people of God. And then last in closing, I want us to commit. Okay, so we're going to commit to see what God sees. We're going to commit to see His vision for our relationships. And then we're going to commit to guard our heart from seeds of discord, from jealousy, from envy, from all of those things that want to divide and bring division. We're going to commit to guarding our heart from those things. And we're going to commit to growing. This is important. There's more. Like if you have a measure of peace in your marriage, there's more peace and love for you to experience in that relationship. There's more unity and peace that's possible. We will, because we are tapped into the source and the source is an eternal God, we will never exhaust the depths of the peace and the unity and the joy that is available to us. And sometimes we settle, we just settle for less than what is fully available. But we are a people, Ramp Church, that is in pursuit of the more of God. We are in pursuit of the more of God. So I want us to grow in love, to see our love and our growth in being able to express that love and express and release that peace increasing. Can you, if you leave this message with just a hunger in your heart, you know what? I think there is even more unity and peace for my marriage, for my church, for the way I view people. Where maybe there was a wall of hostility, I can see that with God it's possible for me to actually have a unified relationship and heart with other people that are very different than me. Then hunger enough is powerful to set you on a course of actually soon being able to manifest the more of God that He has. Listen to um, Ephesians Actually, I think it's in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10. 
He says, but we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other for God himself has taught you to love one another. And I know that most of you listening, you've got that. You're like, yes, it's tattooed on me. I know I'm supposed to love God and love other people. Indeed, you already show your love for other believers and you do. And I'm so proud and so grateful. I get to be a part of a community of believers who are showing love to each other and to the world. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Love even more. Love your kids even more. Love your spouse even more. Love your church people even more. Love the people you don't understand even more. Love the people who are different from you even more. Love the people you don't understand that give you headaches. Love them even more. God's call is we're going to grow in maturity until all joined together, we can represent the vastness of God's love for us. How are we gonna do this? Hebrews 4, we're gonna come boldly before his throne. And there we're going to find grace to help us when we need it most. It says, we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. He will receive us and there we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. Let's, let's close together in prayer. We have a gracious God who understands all of our weakness, it says in Hebrews 4, yet he did not sin and he is here to help us, empower us to walk in, walk in peace with each other, walk in unity, make effort, make, he's helping us. And I want to pray over you, over your home, over your relationships and over Ramp Church this morning. Will you join with me in prayer? Father, thank you for this promise that we can come boldly and confidently before your throne, even though we don't have it all together. And there we'll receive grace and mercy to help us. And right now, Lord, I just send, I send your word through um, this camera lens to all of those watching in Ramp Church, all of those visiting. And I pray for, Lord, an opening of our eyes to see what you see, that we can prioritize the peace and the unity, that we can desire it as much as you desire it. I pray, Lord, for grace to guard our hearts against seeds of discord, against um, divisions, against offense, against pain. Lord, help us to process pain in your presence. Help us, Lord, to lay our heart before you and find your help. And help us, Holy Spirit, to commit to growing, to just growing, 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 that we can better embody the love that you have for those around us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that this is not up to our own power or ability, but that you actually reside in us and you are there as our present help in time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to encourage you to let us know how we can be praying for you. Comment if you're new. We would love to get in touch. We would love to help you on your journey in faith and your journey walking closer and closer to Jesus. We have resources we can get into your hands. So send us an email or comment in the comment section what your prayer requests are. Maybe you've not even made a decision to follow Jesus, but you feel ready to transfer trust entirely to him. You can be brave and bold and just say, hey, I'm ready to give my life over to Jesus. Can somebody help me do that? And we are on it. We are with you and we thank you for tuning in this morning. We bless you and look forward to seeing you next week.